Hello and welcome to this latest Fraser of Allender podcast, the third of our weekly election specials. My name is Rob Watts and joining me to discuss some of the key policy issues that have come up in the campaign this week is Mary Spowage, Interim Director of the Institute, and Emma Congreve, who leads our analysis on poverty, inequality and inclusive growth. And later in the podcast, we're delighted to be joined by Jenny Davidson, a journalist at Hollywood Magazine for her thoughts on the campaign so far. Now, over the last couple of weeks, we've been publishing a series of policy briefs on our website, and our latest one looks at an element of the social security system that could be an important election issue for lots of people. Uh, Emma, I'll, I'll hand over to you to tell us more. Yeah, so thanks, Rob. Um, Obviously, over the past Parliament, there's been a number of powers that have been devolved to the Scottish Parliament and are now starting to be operationalised in Scotland. And we talked about a couple of these last week in our podcast to do with um, Social Security. And we just carried on this week um, trying to unpick some of this. Um, and what we've focused on specifically is um, disability benefits for children and pensioners. So these are two um, new benefits that have, have, as I say, been devolved and and actually will start to roll out quite soon in, in Scotland. Um, they're sort of changing their name from the from the DWP name. So we used to have attendance allowance and that's now going to become um, pension age disability payment in Scotland. And the other one we look at is the child um, disability living allowance, which is going to become child disability payment. Um, and that one's going to start to be sort of rolled out um, in the next year or so. Actually, not a lot is changing with some of these benefits, um, you know, even though the responsibility is transferred. So pretty much the rates are going to be staying the same. Some changes to the way and um, assessments are done to try and make them, uh, you know, a little bit less invasive and to kind of maintain that sort of dignity and respect agenda that the Scottish government have made very clear. They want to be part of the new social security system in Scotland. But of course there is, there is um, sort of potential for changes in some of the rates. And as we say in the brief, they're really important for standard of living for people um, who are living with uh, disability and, and long-term ill health conditions. So they can have quite a big impact in terms of um, you know, income for the people who receive them. And, and also they do go to quite um, a big chunk of people in Scotland. So certainly something that we, we, we might see talked about a bit more in the election so far. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite a complicated area, um, especially with devolution and, and things slowly being transferred. Um, so we just wanted to try and set out some of that. Um, so people who are interested can understand a bit more. Thanks, Emma. Mary, coming to you next, there's been some discussion around the economy this week. And what have we been hearing on that front? Yeah, so we've had um, a couple of reports out this week that have been relevant. And um, I suppose there's been less so much about parties um, proposing policies um, and more about other reports, which parties have then been kind of responding to. So we've had um, the Oxford Economics Report, um, which was sponsored by uh, Tom Hunter's foundation, um, you know, which sort of looks at the issues around low, um, low productivity um, and low uh, growth and output in Scotland. Um, and so it, it's these, these, this report has concluded that economic policy in Scotland tends to be quite complex um, and can lack focus. Um, and that there are sort of opportunities perhaps for Scotland to grow, um, grow the economy and, and therefore the tax base, of course, um, in the future, you know, perhaps by focusing on 
you know, renewable energy when we could have a comparative advantage, but that it might need some changes in the way economic policy is done, perhaps with um, more willingness to sort of prioritise particular areas, look at evidence about what works um, and what's the most effective way to spend money. Um, uh, and it's sort of, sort of an interesting mix of suggesting, you know, more government intervention, but that it should be more effective, um, but also some, some elements of kind of deregulation and reducing the tax burden. So um, an interesting contribution to the debate. Um, it identifies a number of issues with, with Scotland, um, Scotland's economy, which I think many of us have known for a long time, you know, that, that the number of businesses created is relatively low, that we have a high level of um, things like um, higher education related research and development activity, but it doesn't seem to always translate into innovation in business or, or business investment. Um, and, and also that we, we attract a lot of foreign direct investment in Scotland, but it doesn't necessarily seem to translate into increases in productivity. So, you know, these are all sort of well-kent problems about the, the Scottish economy. Um, and it, and this, this report is trying to sort of recommend a kind of a different way to think about things, I suppose, um, to have more of a focus um, on something a bit more transformational to, to give Scot the Scottish economy a kind of, a kind of boost that um, the report says says it needs so so that that was quite interesting but but in this report there's a clear link to the kind of um the, the climate issues um and the transition to net zero and the fact that scotland can be a leader in renewable energy and that in terms of the party's responses to the report was a clear theme you know um saying that all parties recognize that um a big story in the recovery will be the investment in renewable energy and transition to net zero um, transition for the northeast. You know, these are the sorts of responses from the parties to Tom Hunter's report um, in terms of how the Scottish economy could could go from here um, and recover maybe in a more productive way um, than, than, it's, than it has over the last 10 years. There were also calls for an action plan on growth from the Scottish Chamber of Commerce this week. So what were they calling for from the, the parties at this election? Yeah, so this is um, the Chamber of Commerce kind of manifesto, I suppose, for the Scottish election. Um, and it's called the, the Rally for, for Growth. Um, so this is focusing on the, the things that the Chamber of Commerce can um, think that the next Scottish government should do to, um, to uh, you know, ensure that the economy can recover and grow. Um, and it's, it's a huge package of measures that they're suggesting, um, including um, things like uh, evaluating the way that the business rates reliefs work to see if they're actually effective in boosting growth. Um, which, um, you know, of course, as we at the Institute would always recommend that the policies are obviously evaluated to see if they're actually achieving the outcomes that they're, they're designed to do. Um, but, so there's a number of things to do with business rates um, and, and sort of slashing upfront business costs. Um, but there are also a number of other things around, um, I guess, grasping some of the opportunities that are coming from the transition to net zero um, and reducing um, economic uh, inequalities. Um, and these sorts of things. So there's there's lots of um, interesting policy ideas in there, which we no doubt will see some uh, responses from from the parties in the coming weeks. One of one of the other things that's obviously happened this week is that the the economy started to open up a little bit from from Monday. So we can we can't sort of forget about that. Um, the most visible part of that, of course, has been that we've seen all the party leaders getting their haircut this week. So that's been quite an enjoyable part of the coverage this week. But, but in all seriousness, um, it is the first step 
to um, to many businesses being able to open up. And I suppose, um, given our narrative on the economy, has been, you know, this the economic crisis is very sectorally disparate. So different sectors have been impacted hugely um, in a different way. Um, it's particularly in the hospitality sector. Those businesses will be looking forward to the 26th of April with hope <laughs> that they can actually start to generate some income um, in, in the year to come. So um, I think that's going to be a feature, obviously, of the campaign over the next couple of weeks because um, all of these businesses will be gearing up for that. And obviously, if there was any setback to that, then um, you know there'll be a lot of disappointed business people out there. Thanks, Mary. So earlier this week, you spoke with Jenny Davidson from Hollywood Magazine about the election campaign. Uh, let's hear what Jenny had to say. So um, I'd just like to welcome um, our guest today, uh, Jenny Davidson, um, who's a journalist with Hollywood Magazine. So welcome and thank you for coming on our podcast today, Jenny. Thank you for inviting me. It's nice to be here um, or virtually just... here. <laughs> Absolutely. Just to um, kick off, would you mind uh, just telling our listeners, so those who might not be familiar, um, about the role of Hollywood Magazine and what you do there? Yeah, so I'm a journalist covering Scottish politics in general. Uh, Hollywood's a fortnightly magazine. We um, cover the Scottish Parliament, mainly from Scottish politics generally. And specifically, really for um, for MSPs, for councillors, for MPs, and for people that have a kind of professional interest in, in politics, that's that's our kind of main audience for the magazine. Although it's you know it's open to, to anyone to read it, um, and we also have a website which is probably more general, and that's got that's got news and that's got our magazine content. But yeah, so we're real we're so specialising in Scottish politics, really, um, from yeah from sort of inside and and you know from from being close to it and uh, I you know I cover everything could be you know councils could be public bodies could be at the moment obviously mainly the election campaign you know but yeah anything environment education justice whatever the issues are that week. Yeah and we're certainly um, avid readers of the magazine at the Fraser of Allender Institute as you can imagine because we're endlessly interested in the issues around Scottish politics of course and how they relate to the economy. So just reflecting, I guess, on the, the first um, wee bit of the election campaign so far, the first couple of weeks, and, and then in terms of what to come, what's to come, um, are the main issues that are being discussed, sort of what you thought, um, what from your view have the main issues that have been coming up during the campaign? I, I think yes and no to that. I mean, I, I would have expected, obviously, the constitution to be the main issue that was always going to be the main issue you know, division down nationalist or unionist lines um, in terms of party support and the push um, on the independence or the nationalist side for getting a, a majority, um, either of SNP MSPs or, or of um, co-independence MSPs to try and push for a second independence referendum. So that's pretty much as expected. Obviously, I didn't predict the arrival of the ALPA party, which was a, a kind of left field um, addition to the to the race and then on the other side there's obviously um, all for unity as well that's trying to bring together this sort of the unionist vote so we've got the we've new players kind of shaking things up so in terms of the overall the main issue being about independence or, or fighting independence that's not a surprise but the way um, that these different parties are, are shaking things up and the, the way the opinion polls are swinging all over the place and and we, we really can't predict now what's going to happen 
that that's quite unexpected. I mean, we we kind of had last week we had John Curtis saying, "Oh, it's all over for Alex Salmond, not going to get any seats." That you know doesn't look like it's going to be very successful. Alpha Party only on three percent, and then in the, in the space of a a day to day, we're getting you know completely you know completely different polls that are predicting you know different things. Where you know we've got one poll for you know with the SNP kind of on on the knife edge of whether it's going to get um, a majority of, of um, MSPs at all, you know, whether it will, will get that, that above 50%. And then another coming at the same day saying it's going to get a majority of, you know, it's going to get 13, um, 13 extra MSPs and it's going to, you know, have 71 overall and, you know, have a, a massive majority. And then so we've got some polls predicting, you know, that um, Alipa party will take a seat, other polls predicting that it's, it's far off, some polls predicting it's going to affect the the results of, of the SNP and possibly Greens others that actually is helping because it's it's you know directing people into thinking about tactical voting and what the effect might be and perhaps in some ways pushing people towards the SNP in some cases where they might have not given their second vote to the SNP or perhaps might not have given their, their second vote to the Greens so it's interesting the way that's swaying things and, and likewise on the, the unionist side there's you know some some predictions saying all for unity might take one seat, but someone within the Conservatives was worrying that it could lose the Conservatives five to six seats. So we're, we're all over the place in the polling, really don't know what's going to happen. We're a month out, you know, whether this is just an initial um, stage because we've got this, particularly the Alipa party has only just launched. So things perhaps haven't stabilised yet in terms of people's response to that and what they've decided to do or whether this is just something we're going to see right through the campaign, that everything's going to be all over the place, we won't be able to predict right up until election day, who knows? So it's making it more exciting, certainly, less predictable than we would perhaps thought it was. Yeah, definitely exciting. And I don't know about you, but I've never heard so many people discussing the additional member system and sort of how it works and, you know, how it might operate, um, you know, in a Scottish Parliament election, really thinking about, you know, where you stand and, um, you know, these sorts of issues around tactical voting and, and quote unquote gaming the system. Um, so I just wondered if you had any thoughts about that and, 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 you know, whether it could lead to changes, I guess, maybe in the electoral system in the future. Well, certainly the Lib Dems have proposed changing to the um, single transferable vote, which is what's used in council elections. Obviously, they're, they're a small party, so unless one of the, the major parties or perhaps um, some of the, you know, more than one major party gets behind it, that's unlikely that they can make the change by themselves. But yeah, it is interesting that, you know, political geekery has been allowed to come out of the closet and, you know, discuss voting systems. And I, I think... In some, in some cases, there's a general misunderstanding about how the two votes work. I think within the political parties where they are trying to game the system, that's not a misunderstanding about how it works. That is trying to game the system. You know, they are trying to get a bigger proportion of nationalist MSPs than the proportion there is among the general population. That, that, that's the actual aim. That's the intention. You know, when, when they're talking about sort of a, a wasted second vote for the SNP, that isn't it isn't true I mean it's not wasted in the sense that it means the SNP has already got the appropriate proportion of the vote through the first vote and that's what the system is designed to do to give each party an appropriate proportion of the vote according to the you know as closely as possible according to the proportion of the the population that have actually voted for that party and the second vote is is the adjustment to balance 
where it's not right on the first vote. And obviously it probably wasn't designed for one party sweeping the board in the first vote, vote in such a predictable way. But it's, it's, not, um, it's not the system breaking if your second vote for the SNP doesn't get you extra MSPs. That means you've already got an appropriate proportion. But obviously the system, as we've seen, <laughs> is open to, to a certain amount of manipulation if another party is willing to come along and say, well, we're, we're there entirely on this single issue and so give us support in that rather than standing, if you like, as a, a broad political party, say like the Greens are pro-independence, but they, they're a standalone party with their own policies, whereas that's not so much the case with the Alaba party, which is, is purely having the intention of, of creating a, a greater number of pro-independence MSPs. Yeah, so away from um, our, our, us having fun with political geekery and voting systems, which I would agree has been great fun, um, you know, and, and the constitution, um, what are the other issues, A, that you've seen come up that you think, you know, are, are interesting issues that, that have been focused on, um, or B, you know, haven't really been talked about yet, and you would expect, or, or maybe hope <laughs> that they will be discussed in the next few weeks before the election? I think generally it's difficult for other issues to cut through. I and mean, it's not that other issues haven't been discussed and it's not like the parties aren't putting forward policies. I mean, they are breaking up their, what will be their manifestos into a series of announcements. Manifestos won't come out for another couple of weeks, but at the moment, obviously, they're, they're announcing various policies in various areas. I mean, obviously education and health are perennial issues. There's not been so much of that, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, key issues, obviously, at the moment our economic recovery as we come out of COVID. Several parties obviously coming with policies and that and that should be the absolutely major talking point. I mean obviously if you can leave the constitution aside how you're going to come out the, the other side of COVID and your plan for getting things back to normal for jobs for, for the economy. Obviously that's the key thing for any party that wants to be in government or wants to be shaping the policy of the government and policy of the, the country that's a big thing mental health has so, um, been mentioned quite a lot and that that ties in obviously with the covid crisis and it ties in with you know what we're expecting to come which is quite a lot of, of unemployment that may not have actually hit yet so that's a really major issue that you know the Lib Dems have said that should be the major issue of economic recovery but Labour and, and the Conservatives have both announced policies relating to, to mental health as well recently and obviously there, there's also climate change and that's likewise a, a perennial issue, but it's really not getting the, the attention in this election that, that it should get, you know, despite um, the focus on, on COP26 coming up later this year, unless it's postponed again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and as you say, it's, it's been interesting, even when um, they uh, the parties have talked about um, economic recovery and the, the, the sort of flavour of economic recovery that they would favour, such as in the debates, it quite often got brought back to the constitution in terms of levers or, you know, um, or your view on that and in terms of, you know, how that could be achieved. Um, so it's just quite interesting that it did get kind of brought back to that um, as well. So, um, so thanks so much for joining us today, um, Jenny. Um, it's really useful to get your views on what's going on in the election. Thanks, that was really interesting. So one other area where we've seen promises made this week is employability and the support that's available for people. Emma, what has been said on the campaign trail? 
Yeah, so this um, started to be talked about a bit more this week. Um, the sort of the late Scottish Labour um, started to talk about some of their ideas around um, in sort of boost to employability and employment services um, over the next wee while. And of course, this is really important as, as the recovery out of COVID. Um, but I mean, one thing that we re reflected on um, is that it is a very complex landscape really with employability so we're just we've written a bit of a background brief which you can find on our website and um, again to try and sort of explain um, the systems that operate in Scotland already um, and I suppose it feels almost a bit unique in that employability um, it, it was further devolution of it in in the last parliament but it pretty much re remains a shared responsibility across the UK government and the Scottish government. And of course, local government also do a lot in this space as well. So it's it's quite hard to actually isolate, you know, which bits are sort of relevant for Scottish elections. So we've we've tried to do that um, and focus a, a bit on some of the, the new newly devolved services, which um, basically those that used to be run by DWP um, and have transferred to Scotland and um, so they were the work program and work choices which was a, a program for for those with a disability um, and they've become something in Scotland called Fair Start Scotland which is a big flagship scheme um, that operates here and um, for the long-term unemployed and for people with disability to to give them support um, hopefully um, quite tailored support that's definitely the intention to help them back into the labour market um, and it involves pre-employment support as well as support to get you know into jobs so it's actually too soon to really understand um, how well that's been working we're only um, just at the end of the second year of, of the programme um, but along with that there's loads of other um, different schemes that are set up to try and kind of focus on, on specific um, sort of barriers that different groups face for example for care leavers there's more for you know there's a very some very localized systems and um, there's those with um, people with convictions you know there's lots of different schemes that operate and, and potentially they need to operate in that way I think that's one way of looking at it that there are so many complex barriers and they're very different for different groups of people that you do need a kind of a range of, of, of options but the, the counter to that is that it's just very cluttered and complex and difficult to understand and I think when you add in the local government dimension into that and um, it gets even more complicated um, and the Scottish government are trying to do a bit about that in the last parliament they had this this kind of um, no one left behind strategy which is, is its aim is to join up the services and make it a bit more simple to navigate um, but of course since COVID we've had new schemes coming coming into effect so there's a young person's guarantee in Scotland, which um, is there to, to provide a job placement training or volunteering opportunities for every 16 to 24 year old in Scotland. Um, they're you know, clearly at risk of, of kind of long-term impacts of, of the crisis in terms of their employment opportunities. So, you know, it's, it's, it, that's geared towards helping that. But we've also got the UK government scheme, such as Kickstart, which um, operates across the UK, including in Scotland, again, focused at um, 16 to 24 year olds. So that I guess um, sort of complements in a way and will build help build towards um, achieving the young person's guarantee. Um, but then other schemes, the UK government's restart scheme, um, 
doesn't apply in Scotland. So actually understanding all of these things is it's not easy. Uh, I'm not sure we've fully got ahead around it as an institute. Luckily, there are lots of other people in Scotland also interested in looking at this. Um, so there's, there's plenty of information out there. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's um, it's fair to say that, yeah, the, the next six months or so, as we really understand the impact of COVID on the labour market, which uh, remember is still kind of being sort of um, covered over a bit by uh, the schemes such as the, the furlough scheme and and such like. So it's when those schemes start to, to roll back that we'll really understand the fallout in terms of the labour market. And that's when these employability schemes are really going to have to, you know, be put to the test in terms of whether they can um, provide people with the skills and training and support they need to get back into employment in, in sectors that you know will be growing post-COVID. Um, some jobs will have disappeared. We know that in retail already, for example. So, so yeah, there's um, it's it'll be a, a big test of these systems in in the months ahead, and and there no doubt is room for more policies and more ideas to to really get um, yeah really get the right support in place. So yeah, it's it's good that it's it's already being talked about in the campaign, and and hopefully we'll see more of that in in the manifestos. So looking to the week ahead, Mary, what can we expect to be discussed as the campaign progresses? Well, obviously, um, you know, it can feel at the early stages of an election campaign before the manifestos are published that there are like lots of different announcements um, from lots of different policy areas. And so obviously we're all looking forward to seeing the, the manifestos in full. Um, so hopefully we'll start to see them coming out in the next week or so, um, fingers crossed, um, so we can have a look at the sort of the, the packages that the parties are talking about in, the, in their entirety. There's also, you know, some interesting statistics um, coming out in the next week or so. Um, there'll be um, economic data for um, for uh, February coming out, so we'll sort of understand what the experience of the, the UK economy has been during that period. Um, there should be some more of um, the headline labour market data soon, although as, as Emma sort of um, touched upon, we're not really seeing the impacts on the headline labour market indicators um, that, that we might have expected and that we're seeing in some more leading indicators. And also there's new trade data published next week. So this will be really interesting because um, in the January trade data, which was published in mid-March, we saw quite a, a significant fall in trade with the EU. Um, after um, obviously we, we exited the transition period at the end of December um, and they're all eyes will be on that data and whether things have improved um, which will give us more of a feel for how many of these problems that that many exporters have seen are sort of teething troubles that have um, some of which have been worked out and how many might persist um, throughout the rest of the year. And of course, in terms of trade coming the other way from the EU, um, we're currently in a grace period of six months. Um, and so it will be after the end of, of June where we'll start to see perhaps problems with things coming the other way. So there's, a, there's lots of interesting data coming out next week, as well as no doubt plenty of announcements from the parties as we wait for the, the full manifestos to appear. Great. Well, thanks, Mary and Emma. A special thanks to our guest this week, Jenny Davidson from Hollywood Magazine. And of course, thank you to you for listening. Keep an eye on our website, fraserofallander.org, for regular updates and briefings on the key policy issues at stake in this election. And we'll be back for another podcast soon.